0: There are two distractions in our gospel passage today. I'm going to address them now so that hopefully they don't distract us from hearing the main point. The first one is the people of Nazareth talk about Jesus' brothers and sisters. Did he have brothers and sisters? Answer, probably not. Uh, The terms that are used there might be referring to other relatives such as cousins or maybe Joseph had children from a previous marriage. Second, why doesn't Jesus perform mighty deeds in his hometown of Nazareth? Well, this is the 5th chapter of Mark, and all along in this gospel, Jesus never performs a miracle unless someone expresses belief in his message. Peter invited Jesus to come heal his mother-in-law. The friends lowered the friend down, the paralytic down through the roof. Uh, Jairus asked Jesus to heal his daughter and the woman with the hemorrhage literally reached out to touch him. The main point today is that God works through the unexpected. Today's homily will concentrate mostly on the second reading, Paul's account of how he found meaning in the afflictions he suffered. Lord Jesus, the Father sent you to all people, including those who would resist you. Lord, have mercy. mercy. Christ Jesus, you demonstrated the Father's greatness through your humility. Christ, have mercy. mercy. Lord Jesus, your power is made perfect in our weakness. Lord, have mercy. mercy. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. So... These last few weeks, we've been working our way through the second letter to the Corinthians, which of the letters written by Paul in the Bible is by far the most mysterious. We can tell that Paul is facing a lot of challenges. He talks about all the things that go wrong when he travels. He talks about these other preachers called the super apostles who he thinks are not teaching so well, and he talks about his Uh, conflicts with the Corinthians themselves, and maybe Father Don didn't mention it, but last week's selection was actually part of Paul's attempt to raise money for the church's first recorded capital campaign. (laughs) But what do we know about that? Paul offers lots of profound ideas in the second letter to the Corinthians, but there are very few explanations about the specifics of the circumstances. And if you're like me and you like a good story, it's a frustrating letter to read because there's no stories. When we read 2 Corinthians, there's a temptation to imagine Paul's circumstances and stop paying attention to the great theology. There is rampant, rampant speculation over the centuries about Paul's so-called thorn in the flesh. We have no idea what it was. Was it a physical handicap? A personality quirk that he couldn't shake? Someone who travels around with him who's really annoying? Something else entirely? It's not clear whether God intended for him to have this thorn or if it comes from another source. The main point is that Paul, the receiver of extraordinary revelations from God on a regular basis, prays and prays, but cannot find a way to remove the thorn. And this speaks to a great truth of life. To be human is to experience pain. We know this, but we try to resist that. Our culture insists that having enough money, enough fame, enough relationships will eliminate all pain. And that's simply not true. Pain is part of the human condition. That said, some forms of pain can be avoided or lessened. But most pain is unavoidable. As we age, our bodies tend to acquire some wear and tear. We get sick. Jobs and relationships don't turn out the way we wish they would. Friends and loved ones drift away, move, or die. Four months ago, I preached a homily, and Patrick suggested I should read this book by Christopher Germer, a a psychologist at, I think it's at Harvard, right? Yeah, Harvard, called The Mindful Path to Self-Compassion, Freeing Yourself from Destructive Thoughts and Emotions. No, I have not read it yet, but I did start it. (laughs) in the last 10 days, and I have mentioned this in four different conversations with people because there was something there that really caught my mind, and it's an equation. Can we have the next slide? Thank you. Pain times resistance equals suffering. We can't avoid pain, but we can reduce how much we suffer depending on how much we resist the pain. Well, what's resistance? He didn't use an equation for this, so I wrote my own. Resistance, he, he says this, he just doesn't make an equation. It's the difference between what you want and what you have. Think about it. Our lives are never perfect. But we all know some people with tremendous pain, like a debilitating handicap or having tragically lost a loved one, who experienced great suffering at first, but then they came to accept the situation as their new normal. No amount of effort will bring back their lost limb or their loved one. When our hopes are similar to our reality, we don't suffer as much. Now, that might sound kind of heretical. Don't we want to strive for a better life? Not to settle for what we have? Well, that's fine as long as our expectations are reasonable. It is perfectly fine. I don't think we have a single student here tonight, but we do have some professors. It is perfectly fine to aspire for a better education, for an improved marriage, for a better job, for a healthier lifestyle. But I will be bitterly disappointed if I think the only way to succeed is to have an IQ over 200, to never argue again with my spouse, be a billionaire and have a body like a supermodel. I will suffer a lot. The gospel is an interesting passage. The most remarkable part of the story is the gap between the people of Nazareth's expectations of the Messiah and what he actually looks like. Just a carpenter that they know. There is no point in Jesus performing miracles because they wouldn't even see them. Some people try to distract themselves from their pain. They turn to alcohol, drugs, or other addictions. It doesn't help. The wisdom of Christian maturity is not to avoid pain. The solution is to acknowledge it. When pain is inevitable, we must accept what we have. In other words, There's only one variable that we can control in these two equations, what we want. We can't control what we have. We can't control the pain. But if we reduce the gap between what we have and what we desire, the suffering will be less. It's like God said to Ezekiel, whether the people heed my words that I give you or if they resist them, it's still the truth. So what do we do when we have those times of fixating on unrealistic expectations? We should take it to God. Ask for the gift of acceptance. Paul begged God to remove the thorn in his flesh, but God gave him the grace to accept. As he said, my grace is sufficient. Today I preached this literally to a captive audience at the jail, We always have a question for reflection. I offer it to you today. It's really two questions. How far apart are your desires and your reality? What grace from God do you need to reduce that gap?